G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And this is Sunday Morning Together. Good morning. Great to have you with us on this uh, Sunday. The year is just screaming on past. Here we are past the halfway mark in July already. Can you believe that? Phil Edwards is my name. And my guest and co-host today, not with me in the studio, joining me from her place, been fairly chilly also where uh, this young lady is, Author Naomi Reed, who's joining us again for another Sunday morning together, uh, did this with us a couple of years ago. It's great to have you back, Naomi. Thank you. It's very lovely to be back with you. Now, when we say cold, how cold are we talking? It's been at your place over the last little while. Well, we're in the central west New South Wales, so it's been, it has been sort of minus five or <laughs> up to five or ten. We've had snow, which has been lovely. It is nice, but it's very cold. So um, I, I hope you're warm this morning and wherever you are around Australia. Now, Naomi, um, some people may not never have, uh, have heard of you before, but you're an author. You've done lots of things in your life. What's kind of the elevator pitch of who is Naomi Reed? Hmm, I think I started, I started off as a physio and my husband and I did uh, six years of mission work in Nepal as physios. And it was during that time that I started to write I wrote one book and then that led on to another 11, <laughs> quite surprisingly. And and just I, I found it completely encouraging the way that God actually uses things that we didn't even know we could do mm. for his purposes. And so that's led to other speaking and writing opportunities. Currently I write faith stories for Eternity News, which is lots and lots of hundreds of testimonies of different people, how they've come to the Lord. And that's probably been the most encouraging thing certainly I've done recently. There's great power in testimonies, isn't there? When we hear mm. God actually at work in people's lives, it moves, I guess, out of you know the theory, if you like. You can read the Bible and go, yeah, well, that's all good. But when you see it in action in somebody's life and in your own life, it's hugely encouraging. That's right. Just his, God is at work everywhere around the world and in such a variety of ways. I think it's the variety that gets me every week, that, that no story is the same and yet it's the same God who's at work and drawing us to himself in Christ. It's amazing. Mm. Well, I look forward to uh, a good morning this morning together. Of course, you're going to bring us communion soon too, so stick with us. Sunday Morning Together on Vision with my guest and co-host, author Naomi Reed. Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. One of the things that Naomi does, she just mentioned a moment ago, is writing stories and particularly testimonies of people of faith for Eternity News. Is there one of those stories, Naomi, that really sort of sticks in your mind uh, that's had an impact on you recently? Yes, I think every all of them stick in my mind. Even just this week, the fellow I talked to is a lovely man, probably in his early 60s, and he talked about when he was 16, he actually, they discovered that he had um, bone cancer in his uh, left leg and it ended up needing to be amputated above the knee. And it's this incredibly traumatic time for this young 16-year-old who was previously this fit, healthy, running around kind of guy and suddenly he's in bed and they were telling them him that he did, they didn't know if he 
would live or die, but they had to remove it. They didn't know if there were secondaries. And he was talking to me about how in that that fear and shock and and grief, he, he called out to God for the first time. He'd never done this before, but he said, God, if you're real, I need you now. And he said that what surprised him was that he actually felt God answer. So he experienced this incredible um, sudden peace and, and strength in his spirit and, and a warmth inside him that he hadn't ever felt before. And later, over over time, over the next few years, he, he came to faith in the Lord Jesus and it completely changed him. He did survive. He only had a 20% um, chance of survival to 21, but he did survive. And on his 21st birthday, he was overcome with this absolute gratitude to God and he he had you know in the in the intervening time understood his need for God and his his need as a sinner his need for forgiveness and what Jesus had done for him but it was more at 21 I think that he just felt so overwhelmed with thankfulness that he was alive that he then dedicated the rest of his days every day and all of his career or whatever would happen he wanted to serve God just wholeheartedly he ended up becoming a chaplain. He's been a chaplain in Mission Australia for the last um, nearly 30 years mm. and just really living that life of service. And I think for me, this is what happens every time I hear a faith story, is not only do I see and remember that God is real and at work in their lives in these variety of ways, but also there's a sense where I feel personally challenged and convicted myself. And so hearing his response to to God's love for him was a commitment that every day he would be compelled to serve God. It actually sort of made me stop and pause and think, well, what about me today? Am I? Do I have that same conviction and yeah. compulsion to serve God with everything I have? And I think, I think that's the power of sharing testimonies, that not only do they remind us of God's goodness and faithfulness, his power to transform lives, but they also challenge us with our own lives and where we're at. So, so that was this week's. Faith story for eternity news. It is challenging, quite powerful. I mean, he's had this almost a gift given to him that has, and it's funny to describe it in those terms, but it's actually prompted him to really consider the fact that he's been given a gift, which is life, which we need to do something with and count every day as being is being important. And I think a lot of us just kind of wander through life and don't think of it like that in those terms. No, that's right. We take it for granted, or I do, that. And, that, and it takes often that actually facing the possibility of death or the likelihood of death or that we will all die at some point, of mm. course, that that is that reminder to to live and to number our days, as it says in the Psalms, in, in ways that are deliberate and, and positive. So, that yeah, that was a challenge for me this week. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that one. And, and on the spur of the moment as well, you've done well. Uh, something you have had time to prepare for is communion, which you'll be leading us in very shortly. How can we best you know, prepare our hearts toward communion this morning? That's right. Communion is such a gift be able to be able to take together and to respond to Jesus' words um, as he, he's encouraged us to do as a body, as a body of Christ around the world. And it's lovely to be able to do in churches and, and indeed in this Sunday morning service. For me, it's about it's about being still and know, knowing that he is God, so quietening my mind and remembering who he is, what he's done for me, but then letting that, 
I think that come to a point of, of uh, confession as well, knowing that God knows my every thought, even before I think it, that God knows me better than I know myself. And so having a moment to pause and let God speak to me in, in my spirit and what do I need to bring to him today in terms of confession or in terms of being just submitting to his will, to his lordship in my life. So I, that's what I find helpful to do as we prepare for communion each time. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. This morning, my guest and co-host Naomi Reed, who's an author and speaker, is going to lead us in communion. So, uh, Naomi, it's over to you. Thank you. Let's share communion together. Jesus' words in Matthew 11 really speak to me. He said, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus didn't say, come to me, all you who are feeling strong or capable. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Later in Matthew 19, Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And in John 7, Jesus said, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. It's amazing, isn't it? We have all been invited to the table of Jesus, our Redeemer. Jesus, who said, Come to me. He invites us here, wherever we are in Australia, to be part of the people of God. So we come to take communion humbly, not because we've earned a right to come, but because we need his mercy and grace. So come because you love God and you want to love him more. Come because Jesus first loved us and gave himself up for us. Come because you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and experience more and more the mystery of God's grace. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says that on the night Jesus was handed over, he had a meal with his friends. He took a loaf of bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, Jesus took the cup of wine, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, remember me. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we remember Jesus, whose love pursues us our whole life long. Thank you for your invitation to come. Thank you for the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank you that he paid the price for us. Thank you that we can put our trust in him and receive forgiveness of sins. Lord, help us to come humbly and honestly this morning. Fill us with your spirit that we might find rest for our souls and strength to love you today and this week. We pray it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. And now we're going to take the bread and eat it together. So if you have it nearby, take up the piece of bread, remembering the body of Christ broken for us. Eat this and remember him. And now we're going to take the cup and drink together, remembering the blood of Christ shed for us. 
drink this and remember him. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we thank you that we've come and shared this bread and this drink together. We thank you for your invitation and promise. We thank you for your grace and loving kindness. And Lord, we ask especially that you would continue to transform us, that we might be your people in your world, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom until Jesus comes again. We do pray, come Lord Jesus, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. Phil here on Sunday morning together. I tell you, uh, something very exciting is coming very soon. If you have the Vision Christian Media app on your phone uh, or mobile device, and if you have young kids, then uh, it's not too far away. Vision Kids is going to be launched. Uh, It's for 8 to 12-year-olds. They're about music and uh, audio drama and friendly voices 24 hours a day. Uh, for the kids, so you know, if you're cooking dinner and you're looking for something good to keep them not only entertained but also in the Word of God, because that's where it's going to be right at the centre of it all. That's coming very soon. If you don't have the Vision Christian Media app, good time to get it. Uh, and uh, not only you can have Vision Kids, but also the podcast of Sunday Morning Together and stacks more. Look for it in your app store, vision.org.au. Well, this is Sunday Morning Together, and my guest and co-host this morning is Naomi Reed, who is an author and speaker. Uh, who lives in Oberon in New South Wales, uh, kind of in the the western foothills, if you like, of the Blue Mountains, not too far from Janolan Caves, if you know where that is, but uh, hasn't been there forever. In fact, I'd be curious to know where it all started for you, Naomi. Where were you born? Well, thank you. Yes, I was actually born and raised in Epping in a little sort of suburban house on a quarter-acre block. We had a lot of pets and... um, my parents were, well, both of them were very into kind of wilderness sort of stuff. They went cross-country skiing and a lot of bushwalking and rock climbing. So so I think the key thing about my childhood was that it was we were always going off on some kind of <laughs> adventure, uh, particularly even the skiing, cross-country skiing. It's interesting now that I live in Oberon, which, where it snows quite quite a few times every, every winter, but I actually did grow up... Um, uh, cross-country skiing and in camping in the snow in a tent okay. wow. in blizzards and things. So maybe <laughs> maybe that connects with where I am now. But the, I guess the thing about my family was that they weren't regular churchgoers. And, right. and in fact, my dad left the family when I was seven. So there was just my my mum and my brother and I. And so not really any background with understanding anything about faith, I guess, uh, yeah. until I went to high school. I'm just wondering there before we get to that point. Yeah. Um, at seven years, you know, dad leaves. That's that's pretty yeah. disruptive. Yeah. Did, did that and knock, knock back... you knock you around? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think because this is in the sort of mid seventies that that I that he left, and so back then it wasn't very common, I guess. So at school, uh, I went to school. I remember, you know, after that happened, and people were asking me about it. And as a seven year old, I didn't really know how to describe what had happened. In our family, but I think that it probably did add to a sense of me feeling that there was there was quite a bit of instability around me, and I was a shy, quiet sort of girl. And I, I think it added to me feeling a sense of not things aren't quite right with the world. They're not right with my family. They're not right inside me. Mm. <laughs> they said, or I wasn't, I wasn't, and I wasn't able to fix them. I guess that's that's how it how it impacted me 
as a as a certainly in primary school. Mm. Mm. So what happened in your teen years? Yeah, so then went to high school and and so still feeling, you know, things are insecure, I'm not good enough, I can't fix them. And then, you know, as well as the extra preteen, you know, stage of um, all of that <laughs> insecurity of being that age. But I made one friend at high school and she was a Christian. Her name was Jodie. And she used to go to the Christian group at lunchtime um, on a Friday. It was ICF. Mm. And so she invited me and I went with her. I didn't even understand what it was. I don't think I even heard what it was where she was going. All I knew was <laughs> I had to go somewhere and if I didn't go with her, I had no other friends so I would be completely alone in the playground, which was not what I wanted. So I went with her to this Christian group and it was in the music room and we sat down and we listened to a speaker. And I just, <laughs> just remember being completely astounded. The speaker got up and he just presented the gospel, you know, there is a God who is sovereign over the universe. He's made all things. He's the center. He's the reason. And he's made, you know, he is holy and just and majestic, but he has made humans in his image that we can have a relationship with him. And I just remember being like, I, I was just staring at the speaker, mouth open, <laughs> thinking, wow, this is incredible news. And but more than that, that this longing for relationship that God had with us and that we couldn't, we in ourselves, we couldn't, we couldn't do that. We were messy and broken and unstable and all the things that I was feeling. And yet God knew that and, and that he had sent his son Jesus to, to fix that, to redeem, to heal, to make us, you know, to forgive us and make us right with him so that we could know him. And that just absolutely stunned me. I, I remember um, at the end of the talk, the bell rang to go to the next class. And so everyone around me, it was quite a big group. There might have been 100 kids there. Oh, wow. You know, it was quite a big yeah. Christian group. Um, and so everyone else else was packing up their lunch and putting it back in their bags. And I was just sitting there still overwhelmed by this. And, and I remember praying in my sort of 12-year-old way, Lord, I'm sorry. And I want this. I <laughs> thank you for Jesus. And here I am. I want to know you. And just absolutely life changing from that moment. I think I was changed. I knew that I was forgiven. I knew that, uh, you know, that I wanted to know more of God. And, and so because I it didn't, it, you know, it wasn't a church going or a Christian family, I didn't actually, I, I, I didn't, wasn't able to go to church initially, in fact, for the first few years, because my friend who was a Christian who I knew from school, it was actually a sort of a secular regional school. So she lived on the other side of Sydney almost. And so I didn't know anyone who went to church locally. So what I did was I just had this um, paperback. I must have been given it a paperback, um, Good News Bible, just the New Testament. And I just started reading it from beginning to end and then I read it again, <laughs> and I just I loved the Gospels. It changed my life. I just thought, Jesus is this most incredible, um, sort of just full of grace and wisdom and upside down, and yet, you know, full of miracles and healing. I thought, just thought, this is incredible. I want to know him yeah. more and more the more. 
there was so much that was astounding to me. But I remember particularly getting to reading through the Gospel of John and getting to Jesus' commands in John 15, 12. He's talking about, um, talking about his love uh, for us and, his, and then he says to his disciples, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And it just, I, I remember stopping there as a 12-year-old because um, then he says, no greater love does one have than to lay down one's life for, for the friends. friends. And yeah. I thought, <laughs> what does that mean as a 12-year-old? How do, I, how do I love God? How do I respond to God's love for me in a way um, to love each other? What, what kind of love is that? What does that look like as a life of service, of responding to how much we've been loved by God? And so it I think that began actually the whole, the rest of our lives of what that means, how that plays out. And uh, for us, oh, so so what happened then was I actually made a friend nearby who went to a local church. So after four years of reading the Bible on my own, I, I met a friend and she invited me to the local church. And then I started going up with Darren, my husband at school, in, in fact, and he came along and he, well, and and we then got married and trained as physios. But all the time we were kind of thinking, still, still there's always in the back of my mind or, or at the front, in fact, what does it mean to love to love each other? What does it mean to love the world as Jesus has loved us? Mm. For us, I guess, that then led to the call to missions. So we were in, when we were probably in our early 20s by then, we were both working as physios, I was at Westmead Hospital in Sydney and Darren was at in a private practice and we were very comfortable. We had a nice place to live. We so had a nice you, church. Were you married at, at this point? Yeah, so we were married. We got married when we finished um, studying physio. Oh, right. Married very young. Yeah, well, 22. Yeah, pretty okay. <laughs> pretty young. He, he might have been 24 because he was a year older. So, yeah, we are married and then just really – thinking about what does it mean, what is this life of service, what, what, are, what are the needs of the world and what could we what could we do where the needs are the greatest or the, maybe the workers are the fewest. And so the challenge, I think we were reading at the time Helen Roosevelt's books and she, she wrote Living Holiness and uh, a number of others about her time of serving as a, as a medical missionary in, in the Congo, what was the Congo back then. And it was just very challenging about... Um, what does it mean to be available to God to go wherever He wants us to go, and are we are we available? And so I think that started our um, journey of wanting to know, Lord, where, where can we serve You? Mm. And that brought your thoughts toward Nepal. How, how old were you both when you went to Nepal? Yeah, still pretty young, actually. Now that I look back on, now that I have um, young sons in their twenties, <laughs> I think it's a different perspective wow. when you're a parent. Yeah, it is it? a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but so we were. We'd been working for a few years, so we were probably 24 or 25. Okay, mid-20s, mid yeah, that, is, that yeah. is pretty young. So was it yeah. Kat Kathmandu you went or somewhere else in Nepal? Yeah, so we found out about the knees in Nepal. So back then it was 1992, and there, we found out that there was two Nepali bachelor-level physios for the whole population of 20 million. Wow. And we were working, as I said, Westmead Hospital, where there were 2,000 physios for a small population of Sydney. So there was that need, but also just the spiritual need of Nepal at the time. It's a Hindu kingdom. Yeah. It was coming out of quite a lot of persecution. There was a small amount of Christians, but there'd been many pastors that'd been in jail. Um, 
persecuted for their faith. So the church was small and struggling and we realised we were in a pretty comfortable church in Sydney. So it was more that challenge of, well, can we go and just submitting to God and, and, and praying about it and seeing his enabling and the doors opening and then the, the mission that we went with, the International Nepal Fellowship, they said they had a need for physios at the time and they could use us. And so, yeah, we ended up um, going to Nepal initially in, in 1993 and we stayed there for a total of six years over 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 two terms. But initially we went to Pokhara, which is, yes, it's um, west of Kathmandu. So it's a smaller, well, it was then, <laughs> a smaller yeah. town. It's quite big now, actually. Yeah. It's incredible how, how things have changed. This is 30 years ago. Yeah, time, uh, time goes by really quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> it really and, does. <laughs> and I'd love to hear some stories from your time in Nepal. I might ask you about that in just a moment. This is Sunday Morning Together. My guest and co-host today, Naomi Reed, and we're hearing about uh, the story of her life and also her husband, Darren, and their adventures in ministry in Nepal. Or should I say Nepal? Which is it actually, uh, Naomi? Well, it is actually Nepal. That, that's how they say it. So <laughs> that seems to be the correct way, given that's how they say it. Okay. Well, maybe we should stick with that. Nepal. <laughs> Uh, back in the 90s, and you were there, was it, you say, seven years in total? Yeah, almost, yes, six or seven, yes. So initially we were in Pokhara and we were involved in uh, working as physios in the regional hospital and in the leprosy hospital. And then later we, we were amazingly able to do training on, well, Darren, my husband particularly, on the, the first sort of physio training program in the country. And that has led now to thousands of physios, and it's incredible change that's that's gone on in those years but I think for us the just incredible privilege of being part of the local church I guess and just seeing God at work in in this place that which to us was initially seemed so different you know operating in a different language and different culture we're wearing mm. different clothes and eating different food and yet God was at work and there's just this lovely faithful Nepali Christians who are witnessing to Jesus and and often in very difficult situations to do with poverty but also to do with persecution. And for us it just it just profoundly impacted us, realising the body of Christ around the world and what, what a blessing it is to be part of that family and to see and read the Scriptures yeah, in another language and to find truths in different ways. It was an amazing time. It is a very different place and very different to our, I guess, Western context of Christianity, and particularly when you're in a, a nation that is dominated, in fact, was quite hostile towards mm. uh, Christians, but dominated by another religion, uh, Hinduism. But, I mean, I've been, to, I've been to Nepal, and I've been to a Nepali church that met in a house, and the, the people are just so passionate and, and friendly and welcoming and they don't have a lot but they want to share with you and they're passionate about what God is doing. Did, did you learn something in that process being, you know, a couple of young Westerners, you know, in your mid-20s and here you land in this context? And Did, did it challenge you in your own you know, thinking oh, and faith? It just humbled us, absolutely humbled us, realising that, <laughs> in fact, well, because when you're, you're suddenly operating in a new language, it, it makes you feel quite childlike because you can't express yourself in the way you can normally in, in the language that you've grown up with. So I think the humility of, of actually being, realising that we had gone thinking that we had some skills to give and, and that was um that was obviously useful, but realizing just how much more they had to teach us about, particularly about being faithful to Jesus when times are really hard, when 
as you say, when when it, they haven't got got very much, but they give everything to you. But also in our second term, those were the years. There was a ten-year civil war in Nepal, and I'm sure you're aware of this. But there was it was a very challenging time for everybody in terms of there was, um, well, from where we were, there was there was roadblocks and there were strikes and there was an army camp nearby and there was often you'd hear gunfire. So there was a lot. There was bombs going off. There was a lot going on. We had a shoot on site curfew after dark. So there was great challenges as well in living there. But we would go to Anapali Church and and just they would be just singing their hearts out in adoration of God. And and I think those are the things that impacted us so much that there they are with not a lot to eat. Not often their work's very unstable because of the war. There were challenges and um, bombs going off and yet they're they were just wanting to praise God. And there's something I think about times of very hardship, either it's war or sickness, where it draws from us a deeper response to God, a deeper reverence of God, because he's still God, even in the hardest of times. And that's what I that's what I learned the most during those years, I think. Mm. So you're young marrieds. Uh, and where did children come into the picture here? Because uh, I know yeah. you, you have three kids today, you, you and Darren. Were, they, were yeah. they with you in Nepal or you had kids in Nepal or when you yeah. came back? so we first went without kids, a young um, couple without kids, and then our first son was born while we were in Nepal during what was then our third monsoon. <laughs> That's the other thing about Nepal. It rains from June to September or October. Uh, so he he was born there and that was a challenge because he was born tiny and there wasn't the same medical facilities, but... We were just so deeply loved by our Nepali friends and neighbours and people in the Nepali church that they really, as you were saying before, they showed us so much generosity and hospitality. So that was a lovely privilege, in fact, of sharing childbirth uh, with them. And then we came home for a, a home leave, a short break. We ended up staying longer than we planned because we had five miscarriages, which was just another oh, wow. difficult season. But then we were able to have our next two sons and we went back for our second term, so with all three of the children. And I was homeschooling them on this sort of Himalayan ridge without the internet and, and <laughs> without sort of the things that, um, you know, museums and soccer clubs and things like that. So so that was a different challenge and that was actually when I started writing books, the first one uh, called My Seventh Monsoon because during our seventh monsoon it was when I was particularly struggling I think and the writing helped me to pray and helped me to read the Bible and help me to remember that God is faithful in every season no matter what we go through he's still at work in our lives and yeah so that's uh yeah that, that sorry that's the answer about the children what was it that actually really sort of stirred you in the first place to put pen to paper Naomi yeah I think it was <laughs> there's this quote that says some people become writers because the circumstances of their lives make writing possible other people become writers because the circumstances of their lives make writing necessary. <laughs> and I always think I was the latter, really, that <laughs> it was necessary. It became, writing became necessary because I was actually, was struggling. I was homeschooling the boys. It was our seventh monsoon, so it was raining for 120 days mm. in a row. Couldn't go out in the afternoons because of the rain. I couldn't go out in the mornings because I was homeschooling. And I couldn't go out in the evenings because we had a shoot on site curfew and we didn't want to get shot so we, we, we were inside a lot and and I think I just started writing as a means to 
reflect and pray and and <laughs> it became really really helpful I would sort of type I was typing on our little laptop and the electricity would be out most of the time as well so I'd have two tiny little candles on either side of the laptop and it's very hard actually <laughs> to type by candlelight but there I was and I just started looking back on reflecting on seasons of life and my own of coming to faith and then God's calling to us and the different seasons that we'd been through, seasons of loss for when we had all the miscarriages, seasons of um, of, of, of newness and, and new callings when God had called us to Nepal and, and then uh, uh, sometime later actually when we were back in Australia, Darren's health um, was hugely impacted by a heart condition. So we'd been through various things and I, I, I just took the time to reflect on different seasons, particularly looking I guess through the lens of Ecclesiastes 3 and where the writer, wisdom writer says, you know, he makes all things beautiful in his time or there's a season for everything and time for every activity under heaven. What does that mean and how does that look like? At the end of that passage it says that um, that God, that nothing can, that, sorry, I haven't got it in front of me, but <laughs> uh God does this so that so that men and women so that people can revere him. And and I think that's a, just an important point. So that came out in the writing. What what does it mean that we revere God in this particular season, whatever it is? And and how how can we come to God with with whatever's in our hands and say, Lord, here I am in this season with these people you've put me with. You know, please take me, you know, use me. And just submitting to God in the season when, when very often, in fact, we want it to be over. Uh, for me, you know, I was in the middle of 120 days of rain, homeschooling the kids. It's easy to say, you know, to count the days to think I've still got 116 to go. But in fact, what does it mean to to resist that temptation and just to say, Lord, here I am. You've allowed me to be here in this place. Help me to love you and to love the people mm. around me. So, so I guess that was the challenge of the book. Yeah, well, uh, I I must say I, I must admit I have not read your book, but I'm wanting to. <laughs> uh, just hearing you talk about these experiences and where where you were, and that was your first book, my seventh monsoon. Since then, of course, you've come back to Australia, uh, and you've done lots of other things, writing and recording as well, and devotions. Um, I believe your most recent book is, is called A Time to Hope. What's the driver behind that? Yeah, so A Time to Hope. Yeah, I kept writing because it just seemed such a lovely way of thinking and praying. And and so a time to hope, I, I think that I, I was trying to write a devotional book that would go through the whole Bible. So Genesis to Revelation, 365 days, just a means to help ourselves read the Bible as God's big grand story and to see the context of it and to see the answers in Christ. I think, as I mentioned earlier this morning that I had as a new Christian I just had the New Testament I'd read it over and over again and you fall in love with Jesus and see that he's the answer but you don't if you just read the New Testament you don't always see what the question is if Jesus is the answer what's the question Mm. but reading the Old Testament of course shows us this incredible not just that God you know has has made the world and everything in it and made humans for relationship with him but it so quickly becomes marred and, and the question throughout the Old Testament is what is God going to do to bring about restoration? And he keeps promising and, and pointing towards Jesus, the Messiah. And 
And and really in that context, when you get then to Matthew, it's like, wow, here it is. This is the answer. This is the promise. And and you know, even when they take uh, Jesus as the six-week-old baby to the temple, and Simeon, you know, takes him in his arms and says, "Thanks be to God," and acknowledges what, what's happening. I think, I think, yeah. I, as you can see, I, I love reading the Bible as a as a whole, as mm. a, in context. So, so the devotional book was just a means to try to just encourage people to read through the whole, the whole text. And in a way that we can read it through together, that that um, it's an accessible, easy way, and, and short little thoughts on it um, on three hundred sixty five passages and and prayers as well. So yeah, I, I, particularly for me, I think writing that book meant that I was immersed in the Bible all day, every day for a whole year, in order to write that well and letting the Bible read me as well as I'm reading it. But what does it mean to let God? To let the Bible read us, to read our hearts. So yeah, that's so a, that was those. That's a really yeah. interesting thing to do. You know, let it to to read you and change you as as mm. you read it. So mm. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Naomi. I mean, we, there's plenty of other things I'm sure we could uh, tell in your story, and but that's all we have time for this morning. Uh, I guess for listeners, if you want to know more about Naomi, uh, the website is Naomi Read Double uh, E D dot info is probably a good place to start. Uh, but stay with us because we've got more coming this morning and including the best five-minute message that you'll hear today. So you ready for that, Naomi? That's coming up very I soon. Am. All right. Yes. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. And I believe we're having breakfast with Jesus today. We are. Well, it's over to you. So earlier this morning during communion, we were remembering that Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. But sometimes I know for me, we find it hard to come. Maybe we find it hard to slow down or to pray to Jesus. We find it hard to respond. And perhaps, I don't know, there's lots of reasons. Maybe we're not completely convinced that Jesus is real or he cares. Perhaps we're busy or distracted. Perhaps we feel like we've done too many things wrong and we're not good enough for God. And for me, whenever I feel any of those things, busy, unconvinced, not good enough, my go-to passage in the Bible is John 21. And it's the point in the scriptures where Jesus had been crucified and his body buried in a tomb, cold and still. His friends were no doubt exhausted, grieving and fearful, in shock. They were hiding. They must have been thinking, if the authorities can do that to Jesus, what might they do to us? So they went back to fishing, which was their comfortable, familiar place. And we read that they fished all night and didn't catch anything. They couldn't even fish anymore. And in that moment, in that moment of them being tired, overwhelmed, Jesus appeared to them alive. He stood on the shore. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat. They did. And there were fish everywhere. In response, John, one of the disciples, cried out, It's the Lord! And Peter leapt into the water. We can hear the splash and his clothes going everywhere. In that moment, they were utterly convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, risen from the dead. And they needed to be convinced. Everything that happened from then on relied on them being convinced. And we too can be utterly convinced today Jesus rose from the dead. 
He is the Son of God, the Lord of creation and of history and of time itself. He died for us and rose again. The tomb was found empty. And there are times in our lives when we can pause and whisper it again, I believe in you, Lord Jesus. In the narrative, of course, after the disciples recognised Jesus, he said this to them. He said, come and have breakfast. It's the loveliest invitation, don't you think? It's so warm and ordinary. It wasn't a great banquet. It was breakfast. It was fish cooked on hot coals. Jesus must have known how tired and scared they were. He knew what they needed. And on the days when we feel too tired or busy or distracted, Jesus also knows what we need. We follow a saviour who is warm and inviting and who knows our needs. After breakfast, of course, we know Jesus spoke to Peter. Peter had denied Jesus three times back at the house of Caiaphas. He must have been feeling like a failure, don't you think? He knew he wasn't good enough. But Jesus gave him a chance to repent publicly. He asked him three times, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, I love you. Peter was restored. But the interesting thing, of course, to me is that he wasn't restored to go back to fishing. He was restored for a purpose. He was commissioned by Jesus to lead the early church, which was a unique role. But I think we can also be encouraged by this. Jesus also gives us a chance to repent and he invites us, not because we're good enough, but because he died for us. As we trust him, Jesus restores us for a purpose. And that purpose is different for all of us. And sometimes it's hard to notice as our seasons change or we get older. But we are each part of the body of Christ around the world, pointing to Jesus together in a myriad of different ways until he returns. Interestingly, Peter still had questions. He saw John near him and said, Lord, what about him? And I think comparison is a human tendency. We all do it. Is she or he doing better than me or getting a better deal? Jesus said to Peter, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. And it reminds me that that's the calling every day. Follow Jesus on the paths he's set for us, in the places he has us, not looking over our shoulders but following Jesus as the Lord of all. That's the challenge. I'm going to pray for us all now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your warm invitation. We thank you that you know us, that you invite us, and that we can trust you, not because we're good enough, but because you died for us. Help us today to follow you on the paths you've allowed us to be, using the gifts you've given us and pointing to your astounding love and grace in everything. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sunday morning together on Vision Christian Radio. Naomi Reed, author and communicator, is my guest and co-host and just brought us the best five-minute sermon this morning. I think that actually fits the, the category, Naomi, so you've done well. Big tick. <laughs> um, but right now you're working on storytelling, and very clearly you're a good storyteller, but you like taking other people's stories and crafting them too, don't you? Yeah, that's right. I think that's what it moved to after starting with our story and journey in Nepal and God's faithfulness. It just quickly moved to trying to tell lots of other people's stories. And that's what I'm doing now, doing these hundreds and hundreds of faith stories for eternity. 
news. And uh, yeah, as I said earlier, I just love the reminder that God speaks to us, reaches us, draws us to himself in just a variety of ways. And uh, there's, no, there's no boxing God. There's, not saying, there's no saying, you know, this is the way he tends to work because as soon as we do that, we realise that that's impossible. And uh, that's what we need to keep remembering, that he's so much bigger than our finite minds can even imagine. Yeah, such a huge diversity. And, and it's amazing when we actually get to sit down with people. I imagine a lot of what you do at the moment is you know, over Zoom or something like that where you're reaching out to people. But uh, you're planning on hitting the road, I understand, at some point. Yeah, that's the plan. So we're now uh, we're now in our mid fifties, and I think that whole thing about that I was saying earlier about it's, an, it's a different season. How do we be available to God now and for us? So the three our three sons are in their twenties and they've left home. So we're now just feeling this sense of um, could could we hit the road? Could we get some kind of little van? And and we're now sort of as as we said before, living in a country town in Oberon. So the whole Western New South Wales or the west of the country or Queensland and Victoria. It's all, it's all just there, and we'd love to be able to go out and visit lots and lots of little, little churches, country churches, outback churches, groups of Christians and fellowships, and just meeting more people and finding out their stories, and and yeah, meeting them in person, and you know, taking some photos and just capturing what God is doing. I guess further afield, I, I think I've been someone who's been a little bit more. Um, based in cities, so I guess that's that's exciting uh, for me at the moment, just to just to get a voice to to people and their lives, and and just in the ordinariness as well that that God does extraordinary things within what what we might um, what we might think is ordinary, and I, I guess a lot of people tell me that when I ask them their stories, oh, they say, oh, nothing really, it's not really exciting. But I say, you know, every single time it's exciting because it's God at work in your heart and that's exciting. That's the good news. It, it doesn't have to be something very dramatic story-wise, but it's still it's absolutely exciting mm-hmm. when God draws us to himself and changes our hearts and does his good work in us. This is Sunday Morning Together across Australia on Vision Christian Radio. We're almost at the end of our time together on this Sunday morning. My guest and co-host this morning, Naomi Reed, coming to us uh, live from her place at uh, Oberon in New South Wales, a little town. Something special about little towns, isn't there, Naomi? Yes, there absolutely is. Well, there's lots of little towns and big towns, big cities across Australia. Normally at this time we stop and we pray for our nation. And I wonder if you might like to lead us in doing that this morning, Naomi. I'd love to. Thanks, Phil. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can come to you and honour you and remember you as our Lord and Saviour. We thank you for your, your goodness, your faithfulness, the way that you're at work in every tiny town and village and coastal area and city and outback villages and towns and remote stations. Lord, we just trust that you're at work in every place, even in the places that we can't find on the map or even pronounce. Lord, you know them. And you know the people there. You made them, you formed them, and you long to draw them to yourself. We thank you for churches across our nation. We thank you for the variety of churches, the way that people gather and honour you. We thank you that they're meeting right now this morning or this afternoon or in different ways during the week. Lord, we thank you that you work through your church. We thank you that together we can be the body of Christ and that we can join in even here today on the radio Lord, we just praise you for that. And 
Lord, you know that even as we come together, there are many things on our minds for our nation, for our for the political situation, for for um, issues coming up with Indigenous voice. Lord, there's so much on our on our mind, and uh, there is need in our nation. And Lord, we just want to bring it all to you and um, ask for wisdom in governance. We ask for good decisions. We ask for a people who who will slowly just to acknowledge again that that each of us that there is an emptiness without you that there is things amiss there are things that aren't quite right lord and we pray that that emptiness too will draw them to you to yourself we pray that jesus will become very real to people across our nation and to groups and families and communities lord we 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 long to see that we we anticipate you at work we don't know how it'll be but lord we We'd love you to make Jesus known across our nation. And, Lord, uh, we pray for restoration and healing along with that. And we pray for just um, the uh, your providence too and your uh, provision of um, resources and needs. And, Lord, you know, you know what the needs are. And, and Lord, we sometimes feel overwhelmed by them, but we thank you that you're not overwhelmed. Lord, we just honour you again today and we pray all these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Great prayer. Thank you so much, Naomi, and thank you for being part of this Sunday morning together. Uh, it's uh, It's been great to hear some of your story and very encouraging. And uh, just a quick plug, by the way, for your uh, website, Naomi Reed. It's N-A-O-M-I-R-E-E-D dot info. Uh, I see all your books are available there. Yeah, they are. That's right. What's your favourite? Because there's 10 books here. <laughs> it's like asking, which uh, one's your favourite child? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't really do that. I think whatever I'm writing at the time is my favourite. It's like I'm writing all these stories. They're all my favourite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been a real encouragement this morning, so thank you so oh, much. Thank you. It's been lovely to be on with you. Such a privilege. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.